Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the ninth episode of Tea with Tea. Um, today we're joined with an old friend, Michelle. Hi. And she is joining us. Um, Michelle, go ahead and let everyone know kind of a little bit about you. Uh, I am Michelle Heath. I run a blog called El Talk. It's a lifestyle cocktail and food blog. Kind of more emphasis on the cocktail part lately, but you know, no one's complaining. Right. We're here for this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's what I do. I do influencer marketing with it and social media marketing. Awesome. And you also, um, you've done a couple, obviously a couple marathons, but did you try a truck? Half marathons. Half marathons. I haven't quite done the full yet, but oh, yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah, well, we'll touch on that a little we'll farther down that. the road because I, I for sure have questions about that. <laughs> Ask I'm, away. <laughs> I'm someone who doesn't really run, let alone like distance run. So I've got some questions about that. But yeah. so everyone can kind of get to know you a little more. Mm-hmm. What's a what's a story of yours that you? You'd like to tell us well super fun story from this morning actually uh our dog we have the most precious irish setter big like red golden retriever looking thing and she finds this baby bird it comes hop a little doodling into our kitchen all of a sudden all chaos breaks loose in our house it's my husband it's me it's the dog we're running around we're trying to capture this little baby bird because we're such animal people like we can't harm this thing and we need to get it back into its nest Well, right as the whole thing is coming to a big head, this little bird squeezes into the tiniest spot between the dishwasher and the sink. And now we're completely stuck trying to rip apart our entire kitchen to save a baby bird. And that is the epitome of my life. Chaotic good. (laughs) Just trying to do the right thing. Trying to always do the right thing. (laughs) Okay, so perfect. So um, how did you start blogging? Um, I actually started blogging when me and my husband got engaged. I did a wedding blog called Becoming a Heath. It was the story of how I was getting married, my wedding planning, and on top of that, there just wasn't a lot of information out there for two-year wedding timelines, so I made the information. And I just kind of shared how I planned a wedding for, you know, that extended the time frame of two years, and it just boomed from there. After we got married, I didn't want to talk about weddings ever again because I'd done it and I was over it. I I usually hear that. Like once Mm -hmm. your wedding passes, you don't even want to look at anything related to it. No one better have a wedding in the next month because I can't. I just, I'm done. (laughs) Burnt out. I'm so done. I see one more tool. And so then after that, I started talking about our life. In 2016, I rebranded to El Talk and I was like, I'm just, I talk a lot and I'm going to talk about all the good things I love to talk about. It just happens to be food and drinks. Who knew? But, I mean, I feel like we all like food and drinks as human beings. So. Oh, absolutely. Good, good little market there. Yeah, and so that's how kind of El Talk came along. It was just a precursor to an old website that I wanted to rebrand and actually turn into a business. Great. And so what made you realize, okay, I can make a business out of this? I had friends who had already made a business out of it. And so I was kind of on their coattails learning from them about, you know, influencer marketing, uh, affiliate links, just any type of way that you could work with a sponsor. I mean, at that time point, there weren't a lot of people making full-time income. Like now, there's just absolutely tons. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely tons. And so for me, I got a little bit of advantage because I had friends who were in it. And that's kind of how we got into that, where I was, when I rebranded, the whole goal was, I want to take what I love and I want to make money from it. And 
that's how I got into it. <laughs> I feel like it should be more complicated, but it's not. And usually, like, things that are kind of meant to be, they just mm -hmm. kind of fall together like that. And it really did. And that's great because, I mean, that's kind of what you set your sights on. Mm -hmm. And you've kind of, like you said the other day, you've just kind of manifested it, right. brought it along. Um, so along the road, what has been, like, an unexpectedly hard part of it? Um, for me, really, it's comparing myself to other people. I'm completely guilty of this. I know a ton of bloggers, influencers, just anyone in the space. You look at other people, especially if you started kind of growing at the same time as others, and you see them getting these sponsorships, you see them getting these numbers, and you're just like, why not me? I think I'm making good content. And you really can't do that because everyone's journey is completely different. But it is the hardest thing at like, when you're having a hard week being like, you know what? I'm doing good, I'm doing great, I'm growing, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. When everyone else, it just feels like everyone else around you is just doing it better. Right. Um, but outside of that, not too many, you know, unexpected things. It just really kind of more of an emotional journey is the hard part. Right. So on the opposite, like, side of that coin, what's been your favorite part so far? My favorite part, yeah. I've grown a readership. To this point, it's like probably around 38,000 people come a month and getting their emails um for some reason my readership's a little bit different i think it's because they're a little bit older they prefer to email me than use my commenting system i love it i'm totally into it but i get these emails where people are just like i tried your recipe and oh my gosh it was just so much fun to create it like i did it with my husband i did it with my girlfriends and you know a big thing for my website is when you create food make memories with it if you're eating good, you're drinking good, you're going to have good conversation. Coming yeah, in a lot of your posts, you like encourage like, hey, yes. do this or do this, whichever, yeah. whatever's best for you, but just make sure you're mingling, you're yeah. hanging out. Make memories. Absolutely. And so when people email you and they're just sharing the memories they made with it, it is, I really don't know a better feeling than that. It's almost like you're a part of it. Like you're yeah. a part of it. You're a part of it. And you help create it. And I don't know, a little piece of you is kind of going along with everyone else's life. I think that... People are probably emailing in, instead of commenting because when you comment, it's there for everyone to right. see. Whereas, like, emailing feels a little more intimate, a little more personal. It's just, I mean, as, unless they want to write a letter, <laughs> it's the only way to really, like, get something, my whole message in your hands and not have to worry about, oh, there's a character limit. Oh, other people are going to see this. Is right. someone going to judge me based on it? So it's like, I, I can so. see why they email as opposed to, like, commenting. And I think you're right. Like, a lot of younger people, they prefer to comment. Right. Um, and a lot of, I mean, I do both. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh. So like like we just mentioned, a lot of people are using the term influencers. Um, so how, did, do you ever feel like you shouldn't be using this title? Or how did, when you first started using the title, how did you feel? And then how do you feel now? I really don't know if I've ever used the title influencer with myself, just because to me, I have these influencers I look up to, and I think they just, they're doing it top level. One of my favorites is local, uh, Meg O on the go, she does beauty. But her way of influencing, because I've talked to her in person, is just blows my mind. And so, because I'm a food blogger, and that may be what it is, it's a completely different realm of how you influence people. I always kind of feel like I'm more of a content creator, uh, and that would be the term that I normally associate with myself. But at the same time, it is influencing no matter at the end of the day how you do it. Right. Um, but I think kind of the, another reason I shy away from that term is mainstream media has just kind of put a negative tone on influencer, yes. right? Yes. Like if you're an influencer, you're kind of known for taking free product, not wanting a real job, and all these other really negative things. 
And so when someone asks me what I do, I just say, I'm a content creator because then I get to change the narrative of what an influencer actually is right. and bring it to a more positive light, which is, you know, my goal in life is to make sure people understand like the type of work that goes into this. It's not easy. Oh yeah. And I mean, how, Oh, just a quick side note on to spin off of that. How long does it take you to make a new piece of content start to finish? Start to finish. I'm not going to say per hour, more of a two week time span. So that's creating the recipe just kind of in your thought process. Then it's making it. That can be three to five times. I've done 10, still not come out with a good recipe. And then you got to write it, you got to photograph it, you got to edit it. Um, you know, you got to shop for it. Yeah, it's, a, it's about a two week process. And it's, so many people think, oh, I just sit at my computer and just churn stuff out. Right. It's like you said, a mm -hmm. lot of work. Mm -hmm. So when people do say like, oh, influencers don't do anything, like, no, they, they do a lot. They do a lot. You know, the biggest thing about influencer, you can't be an influencer if you don't have an audience. Right. So you've got to be responding to people. You've got to be trying to get your face in front of other people and building a readership. Because if not, then you're talking to thin air and you're not going to sell anything. Right. Um, so I think a lot of people don't realize that people don't just show up out of nowhere. Right. And I think a lot of people, they think, oh, well, I ha all I have to do is just start it and people will flow in. Not Absolutely at all. not. So not at all. Um, I wish. I oh, totally so wish. Easy. <laughs> My life would have been like way easier. But yeah, no, like you're working. I probably work in a week, probably 60 hours, just trying to get everything settled for a week's worth of content and keep growing on my blog and building a readership. Right. And so that's, I mean, that's more than most people's 40 hours. Yeah, right. A lot of people, they, they do regular jobs. So in the course of your blogging, have you worked like a day, a day job and then made this your side hustle or has it always been your main hustle? For me, it was, I started in master school um, and I graduated, I re-changed up LTALK. It was going to be a side business and I've worked in other outlets. I worked in what I got my master's degree in. But now it's at a place where it can be full-time and making that transition. Like right now I've walked down to working half or part-time in what my degree was in. And now I'm kind of pushing more into getting full-time. And I kind of have to. I had to make a decision. Do I want this to keep growing? Because it needed the time. Absolutely. Or do I want to just not grow it and this is the stopping point? And for me, that just, I love it. It's such a passion project of mine. So I wanted to keep going with that. And yeah, it takes up way more time in my week than my other job does. I sometimes like will just be like, hey, I can't come in because I've got this giant project for a sponsor. And I'm kind of at that point where like I almost need to drop the other thing completely. Right. And let this creative job be full time. That's so exciting though. It's exciting, but it's scary. <laughs> and I can imagine that. And yeah. like that's um and my next question was gonna be is like the blogging sphere influencer space kind of saturated or do you feel like there's kind of enough space for everyone to continue to grow? I definitely think there's enough space for everyone to grow. I kind of look at blogging at three different tiers. You have your beginners, your middle of the ground, and you have your top bloggers. Top bloggers are like those high-end ones that are just... Like they are on Food Network. They're, they got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Their guests are on TV spots, stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. They got books. They got product. Like yes. they're going. The middle of the ground, I feel like I'm on that cusp where I'm out of the beginning. I'm at the beginning of the middle. So... In those areas of top and middle blogging, it's not super saturated. 
the beginning bracket though, there's a ton. And then a lot of people fall off before they get off. to the middle. They so do. I could see why that's that space especially is yeah. the most saturated. And it does feel oversaturated. Um, kind of from brand's perspective too, because they can throw a hundred, two hundred dollars at a beginner blogger and that works. <laughs> and there's just tons and tons of them to be able to do that with. Because people found out you can make money blogging, but then it kind of falls into this space where, yeah, either people fall out or they're just kind of good staying in that like secular beginner side of it. They don't really want to make full-time income. And because of that, if, if you see how many people are working with sponsors, it looks like there's just tons and tons and tons and tons of saturation. Right. When you're talking about doing hardcore projects with sponsors, it really kind of gets to a point where there aren't a lot of people. Um, and you can, you can, work with a lot of sponsors who maybe will pay more of what you can make full-time to eventually getting to that point where it is just like abundance amount of income and those people like those ranges it's not a lot there's a reason why you see a lot of those people kind of repeat sponsorships um kind of i forget what do they call it <sighs> brand ambassadors yes yeah and so they get those reoccurring positions because they're in the part of the market that's just really like it, it it's almost sometimes i think better to be in the middle ground because you're sort of still micro influencer but you can do a lot more because you have a bigger audience i feel like i'm just rambling on like i don't even know like how no, to I put mean, it this but. is all this is all stuff i've never heard before so okay. it's great to hear well at least that's how i perceive it i don't know 100 percent. well yeah and you're only seeing it from like your my secular side. yeah mm -hmm. um, have you ever felt pressure to kind of like do more like oh diversify a little more as opposed to focus on what you want to focus on actually let's flip that i have been more pressured to niche down oh because it is especially when you're in the beginning and you're reading all about how to start a blog it's about you need to pick a niche you need to yeah find your little little corner your, your little nook and stay there and so i actually learned from a blogger her name her name is helene in between she said i've got a blog i'm making money uh i'm making this my passion and i don't have a specific niche and so i took that to heart and i said i'm just going to do whatever i want to do that's why i made l talk because i can morph it over the years i don't have to rebrand my name right it can be about you don't have to have separate right blogs then you're running five different blogs exactly so it, and it can be food it can be lifestyle if i want to talk more about life for a year i can talk more about life and i think that there are a lot of people who kind of get stuck thinking like oh i have to just do food and they feel that pressure to just do food when maybe they want to talk about some of the hard stuff in their life. Right. And so I would say, if anything, I've been pressured to stay in one lane, and I refuse to. Right. So. And um, so what is your advice for someone who wants to start a blog? If you want to start a blog, it's more so quality over quantity. I, I remember when I started, I just read repeatedly, you need to be uploading three times a day or three times a week. Some people do upload three times a day, by yeah, the way. Like, do. what are you doing? I want your life. Um, but doing it three times uh, a week at minimum, that's not true. You are better off doing it once a week, once every other week, and producing content that is just very good. Like, what you can, the best of what you can do. And I think a lot of people just feel like if they're not in front of their audience just 24-7, they're not going to grow. Out of sight, out of mind. Right. And that's not true. You're better off, if you're, especially if you're a recipe, you're better off taking time, cultivating that recipe, making it good so when people try it, they love it. It's worth it. It's worth it. 
and even if you're on fashion like putting together an outfit that you take time to look at and really piece together it's gonna be better than just throwing stuff together trying to get something out right some people do um, they do like lookbooks where they're doing yeah. like six or seven quick oh, yeah. outfits mm -hmm. and it seems like oh well this is really fast but they probably took a month to put this lookbook together at least at least it's good to know that like take your time yes and really make it good because that's one thing especially with like my podcast like I do try to be consistent but I also don't want to upload just for the sake of uploading exactly because then what's what's the point anyone could do that like the tens of thousands of bloggers who they blog really hardcore for six months and then they just get so burnt out they right. just give up oh and that's a huge thing about you know if you're not doing uh, quantity or if you're doing quantity you're gonna get burned out I've been burned out not doing quantity and just <laughs> focusing on quality then um, really just just harness down like just try to be realistic with yourself set a goal for once a week and if you're hitting that easy then maybe bump it up to two and if you're not bump it down like I said quality is so much more important brands are gonna see it uh, readers are gonna see it and it, it'll make a huge difference long term right and then if you want to start money or if you want to make money from blogging my number one thing from the get-go treat it like a business I see so many people who get into it wanting to make money, which, hey, if that's like the sole reason you're blogging, like, go girlfriend, like, I don't care. Like, that's awesome, own that. Right. And if, if that's the case, treat it like a business from day one, because if you do, you're gonna go so much further. And you're gonna have a plan. You're gonna know what you need to be doing to get sponsors and how to work with sponsors, and especially taxes. When tax season comes, like, if you know all of the business side of what you're doing, then the rest is gonna be a lot more comfortable. Cool. And so we've already heard a couple like really good tidbits you've gotten from other people while you were growing your space. Is there any other like favorite anecdotes or? Um, tidbits you've gotten from another blogger or influencer? Um, I think, I mean, really kind of the biggest ones have always just been kind of the things I've pinpointed, which are don't pay attention to what everyone else is doing. Focus on yourself. Make the quality content. Don't do or quantity. And then probably another one that was really good, no matter at the end of the day, social media matters with your website. That's really how you're going to grow the bulk of your audience. You don't need to be a pro in all of it. Pick one and work your butt off at it. Right. And then once you get that one settled down, go to another one. If you try to do it all at once, just like if you try to do too so much insane. content, yeah, it, you're gonna burn out. And you're just gonna kinda be okay at one. Take one at a time and, and have fun. Like that's another part of all of this, is if you're not having fun, you're just, you're gonna eventually wanna quit. Right. And so, yeah, just take your time and enjoy the ride for what it is, really. And get to know people. Like, get to know people. Yes. Get in Facebook groups. Uh, I'm in this group called, uh, what is it? I'm so blogging this. It is a fantastic blogger group, <laughs> and they are just absolutely wonderful, full of knowledge. And if you can get into stuff like that, it's it's gonna make you feel like you have people in your corner. Oh yeah, um, joining little communities oh, like yeah. that is mm -hmm. super super good. Yeah. When you're making your recipes, how do you choose, like, what you're wanting to? Like, how are you inspired? Well, lately, because I've been doing like totally gluttonous recipes, that's because I've been eating super healthy during the week. And then I come and I'm like, okay, I just want to make macaroni and cheese because, oh my God, that's what I want right now. Though normally I follow trends. I try and keep up with like what's other people doing, what's popular in media right now. Like if there's a movie coming out and I'm like, ooh, they have a reference to a food. 
I'm gonna do that. Like Deadpool, when Deadpool comes out, I'll probably make chimichanga somehow. Yes. Let's um, <laughs> And then I do what's seasonal. I try to really work with the spring, summer, just any of that, and work with uh, produce in that section. I'll do that even with cocktails. I'll take a old recipe and just say, let's revamp this with seasonal vegetables, seasonal herbs, seasonal fruits, and change how it tastes in the profile for it. And then what else do I do? Just trial and error. I might be like, I really want to make this, you know, faux. And I've just been working on a faux recipe and it's been just not working, not working, not working. And so then eventually I'll get to a point where like, I'm going to put that to the side. Right. And let's focus on something else. And you kind of get that like feeling of, I need to put content out. And that sometimes dictates, you're like, I'm going to just pull from my like repertoire of old recipes. Like if I have a salad, I'm going to be like, okay, let's make another salad, but let's make it different. Um, so just there's lots of different ways to pinpointing when and how you choose to do a recipe. It just depends on what's kind of going on in the world at that time. Gotcha. So we're going to segue into your cocktails. Oh, okay. So how do you make new cocktails besides revamping old ones? So again, going back to trends, um, I have done a lot of research into home bartending. I've done, I just actually put out a, a blog post on cocktail books that I'm like, you have to read these. These make you a better home bartender. Uh, I follow other bartend or home bartender blogs. And just through learning all of that, I've kind of developed how to make cocktails on my own and like how to balance cocktails. And so from that point, I go and I'm like, all right, I need inspiration of some sort. What movie's coming out? What's blowing up in social media right now? Can I make a meme off a cocktail? Like, you know, it, it, what holiday is coming up? I do a lot of holiday content. One of my biggest recipes was, or is, a black magic martini. It's a black cocktail, but it's got edible glitter in it. Ah. And so it sparkles and it's magical. And oh, Especially when you pour it in and it just kind of swirls. It just swirls and just nice. sits there and it's nice and glittery and it's so much fun. And so that just came out of, it's Halloween, what's going on with Halloween. We need some black. Like, there's not a lot of black cocktails out there. Um, and then I just happened to walk into Michael's and I found edible glitter and I was like, I had no idea this existed. Can we drink it? <laughs> and that's really like the process I wish was more streamlined, but it's really chaotic. Like it's just what falls into my lap, what's happening um, that's popular. Okay, can we drink it? <laughs> that almost sounds like a YouTube series. Right. Can, can we, we drink, drink it? it? Oh, that probably should be. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, since you, you're kind of more well-versed than the average bear, um, if someone's at a bar and they don't know what to order, like what are some suggestions that you would lay down for someone? Okay, I would, I would keep it simple. Um, so if you're into vodka, I would do a Moscow Mule. Super simple. I've not met a person who doesn't love them. It's just ginger beer, lime, vodka. Super easy. So good. Crisp and light. Uh, if you're into whiskey, go for a classic Manhattan or old-fashioned, you know, if you try to get too crazy with it, you don't, I don't know, A, a bar might not have the ingredients, and True. B, you don't know if you like it until you try it. And, and you'd hate to be saddled with a drink that you hate. Right, exactly. Because it's not Starbucks. They're not going to remake it for no, you. they're not. The guy's just going to be like, well, that sucks. Like, you know what I mean? 12.50. Yeah, 12.50. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> and so I think by keeping it classic, then A, they're classic breweries, and most people enjoy them. And then on top of that, you can kind of move out from there. If you keep, most cocktails are made originally from somewhere in the classic realm of drinks. So going with, if you do rum, do a daiquiri, not the frozen kind. 
It comes in liquid form and it comes in a coupe and it's super pretty and super chic and gravely delicious. Like, will put you in the ground. It's amazing. Oh, and a lot of people don't even know that. A lot of people think daiquiri and they're like, okay, it's coming out of the frozen margarita machine. Right. Like, off whipped cream, let's party. <laughs> and it's like, no, it can actually be a really classy cocktail, which has about a thousand different versions of it. Right. And if you like that, then you can kind of move on from there and go, what's a drink that's like a daiquiri on Google? And move on. Um, another one I would also say is a salty dog for if you like gin. I know there's like a very small population of people who like gin. I respect it. I, I love gin personally, but a salty dog is always a, a good go-to. Um, yeah, I mean, keep it classic, keep it simple, and then if you find that you really love it, get on Google and just say, what cocktail is like a salty dog? And then from there, you can kind of move out around. Also, talk to your bartender if you can grab them you can get like 10 minutes with your bartender and just talk about, hey, I like Jen and I like sweet things, he's gonna be able to list you out a list of different types of cocktails to order at that establishment. And you can just go down the list as you know you visit the place. And that's also a good way to kind of build a rapport with a bartender where yes. they'd be willing to take that time with you. A lot will actually, if it's not a super busy day, right. a lot will take the time. That's why I love bartenders, they're willing to just talk and socialize with you as long as it's not happy hour. <laughs> right. And as long as we're not like 10 people deep at this bar and you're trying to chit chat with me, right. that's fine. Um, we've got like the drinks you think people should try. What are some foods that you think everyone should try? Um, I think pairing foods and cocktails is a good way. Like I think if you can do that, you are like opening yourself up to such a world of deliciousness. Right. So I'm going to actually pair some of my favorite cocktails to food. Um, my first one, gin martini and oysters. I know pe people hate oysters, but I think you should try them once in your life. You know, even if it's cooked Rockefeller style or if you take it off the half shelf. I personally half shelf little horseradish, gin martini, and I mean, you can't get a better combo. It's slightly luxurious. You kind of feel fancy eating it. Um, I'm all about that. Another one would be sushi and prosecco. Ooh, yeah. okay. It's bubbly and crisp, so it kind of cuts out because a lot of sushi that people order has that cream cheese element, right? And so that's going to cut it in half. And even if not, you're playing with fish, and that lightness of fish goes really well with the lightness of some type of Prosecco or champagne. Mm -hmm. And you can even do any champagne cocktail, too. French 75, another great option for that. Um, and then, you know, dessert, a chocolate fudge cake and a Sazerac. Ooh. Whiskey and absinthe, cutting through that chocolate is divine. I love a good Sazerac with a little honey. Yes. So yes. good. I think if you, that is like one you have to, have to, have to try. Like, just, it's one of my favorites. I do it every now and then. I will make a chocolate cake to have a Sazerac with it. <laughs> this is my end game. We're yes. getting here. <laughs> um, and last one, because we are in Texas, crawfish. Do a, do a Paloma with it. Do a tequila grapefruit. It's tequila grapefruit. It's like making a grapefruit margarita. Okay, okay. It is. Oh, and I can see that acid acidity and that Cut spice. Mm -hmm. Love it. So, um, while we're kind of like on a food and drink bucket list, mm -hmm. uh, what are some things on your bucket list? Ooh, like activities-wise, because you're doing half marathons. I'm doing half marathons, yeah. Is like a triathlon on your list? I've already done a triathlon. I've done two, three triathlons, nice. but I sprint triathlon, so it's a little, it's much more manageable, okay, because, <laughs> like, my husband did a half Ironman, and, like, my gosh, like, homeboy, <laughs> I can't do what you did. <laughs> what is it, so what does an Ironman consist of? Oh, my God, I'm going to get this wrong. 
Um, and Ironman is swimming, biking, running, but it's like equals out to be like 140 miles oh, good total God. or something ridiculous like that. When a half Ironman is swimming, biking, running, and I believe it's 70.3 miles. Still out of my realm, but right. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've done a sprint, and the sprint equals out to like I don't know, twelve miles total. Oh, of swimming, biking, of, of the three options you've given me, that That's seems the, the most no, reasonable. Right. <laughs> like me, a civilian. I'd probably die, but I could get close. Right. Versus like, that's like the MS-150. I'd make it to like 10 miles and be like, all right, well, I'm going home, guys. Bye. (laughs) So for me, I think bucket list-wise, I would like to do, realistically, half Ironman. I would like to go for it at one point in my life. I think maybe when I'm retired and I have more time to dedicate to all of that, watching my husband, I'm like, honey, no. He did it before he was in master school, so he was, he can't even like run, like, half the time it used to now because he's so stuck in school but so much time goes into that uh another one i want to do a full marathon i think and a full marathon is 26.2 26.2 nailed it yes <laughs> uh and i think i would want to do it here in houston too i think if i could get into the lottery to get picked into doing that one it's a lottery um from my understanding if you've never like you have to do a marathon to know like a pre-marathon to know what your uh finish time's going to be when you sign up and if you haven't you kind of get thrown into a lottery to get picked uh to be in it not everyone who applies applies is in it because a there's a ton of people applying at this point really oh yeah uh how many did they have like twelve thousand people run (gasps) the half marathon and the full marathon don't hold me to that i also know that twenty five thousand people come out to spectate though and i believe it Oh wow! See, I've never spectated. I've never it's so fun. done it. I, and what's funny is I used to work in the building with the office of the Houston oh, Marathon. Okay, yeah. Um, so like I would see their lobby. I'd drive, walk past them all the time, mm-hmm. and I was always like, "Oh well, such a small office. There's only I always see like three bodies in there. Oh wow, this probably isn't very big." So now to hear that it's they not huge. only have almost thirty thousand people involved from from start to finish, but oh, yeah. there's a lottery. And you have to maybe be chosen, like so you could train all year long and not be chosen. You would know. You when you go to buy a ticket, um, I'm not 100 sure how it all works uh, because I haven't applied for that one. <laughs> and I got lucky with the half marathon. I got in the first time I applied. <laughs> um, but yeah, from my understanding, that if you didn't run it the previous year, or if you don't have like some like stellar marathon time, you're not necessarily guaranteed a ticket. Like you get put into a lottery, and then they pick. They'll let you know in a very reasonable amount okay. of time. I mean, that makes sense, because they wouldn't want someone like me, just someone off the street who's going to take five days to run 13 miles. (laughs) (laughs) You could do it, I promise. People can walk it in, like, a half marathon in, like, seven hours, easy. That is so much walking. Yeah, no, it it is. It really is. Just, like, imagining, like, that's a whole day, practically, of just walking. Oh, I know. My husband, when he did his half Ironman, took him, like, six and a half hours. And I'm like, I can't do anything for that long. <laughs> Besides sleep, and even then, that's hit, hit or miss. Yes. Um, but back, I guess back to bucket list, because I'm getting off topic. I could talk running all day. I think another thing I want to do is go to Italy. I want to start on one end of the coast and eat my way oh all the way God. to the other end. That is, like, clearly I have a thing about food. But, like, uh, that's what I want to do. Like, that's, like, the ultimate vacation to me. Oh, that'd be so amazing. Yes. I want to come back like 60 pounds heavier and just be like, I know I did it, guys. You could train. You could yeah, like train. Like, could tra- practice eating. Yes. Get yourself down to fighting weight. Yeah. And then make your way through. Yes. Just 
come at me. Come to me. Come at me. Because they're accepting they have, challengers. Please bring it. And it's amazing because like there's so many different types of food. Like it's not oh, what you necessarily absolutely. think. And also they have a pretty good cocktail game going on. They do a lot of aperitifs. Um, so like oh, Negronis and just any type of Campari drink. I almost feel like they they have courses that are just drink courses. They have a full one. Okay, so five o'clock comes. And there is no one at work. Everyone is in the um, little cafe streets. They've got, uh, like, they have aperitifs. And so it's these little appetizers. Cristinis, um, it can be fish pate. And then everyone's just drinking Negronis or some type of sparkling wine. Something to really kind of start the, yeah, open the palate and start it up for when they go home to their main meal. Everyone's, like, having a cigarette, drinking. And I'm like, maybe not the cigarette thing, but... I would totally be there to drink and eat. Like, right. sign me up. And that's, like, such a great concept to me that, like, literally 5 o'clock comes. It doesn't matter if you have work to still do. You're done. You're done. I know. And that's one thing that I've always, like, admired Europe for. Mm-hmm. Their ability to have work-life separation. Yes. You know, with siestas in the middle of the day or leaving at the end of the day, that's it. Everyone, there's no one pressuring you to stay. There's right. no internal pressure. Like, oh, I got to finish this. No, it's, no. that's the end of the work day. Yeah. I'll work tomorrow. It's now my time. And family is, is so important. The time you spend with your family and your friends and just the value put on that is Absolutely. so much more different than here. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I also it. feel like that's why eating for them and drinking is more of a celebration. Because right. like we get to focus on it as opposed to right. here mm-hmm. in America where everything's drive through. You scarf it down. Right. Eating is just something that gets in the way of something else. Right. That's almost the attitude of it sometimes. And that's kind of really like thinking about to my own website. It's that's the... I want to create that environment for people to just stop, enjoy the cooking, enjoying the shaking of the drink, and then just sit in front of someone and make a memory and just go slow about it. Like, don't don't make it rushed. Enjoy this. Right. I like, joke with my husband. I'm like, I do Italian entertaining. <laughs> and he's like, okay, calm down. All right. Relax. 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 He's like, you're not even Italian. I'm like, I don't know I'm not. <laughs> right. 23 and me. Here we go. And so, okay, let's go into that. That would be another bucket list of mine. Um, I My mom's adopted. And so I don't have a clue what, like, half of my life is like. Oh, wow. And my dad is so hard into genealogy. And so I know everything. Like, we've gone back as far as we can go back. Oh, wow. So it's, like, literally two sides of a coin. Yeah, completely. And so I want to get into, I do, I want to get DNA tested. And then, so that's part of my bucket list. Get DNA tested and then go visit some of my home countries. We have, on my dad's side, a castle in Ireland that's still standing that we're related to. Nice. I want to go so bad. I want to go. And But on the other side, I'm interested to see what maybe the other part of my family. What shakes loose from there. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'm Jewish. That'd be cool. <laughs> um, but what's funny is like, okay, so one thing that you do need to go into, no, going into mm-hmm. um, DNA testing for example, um, I can't remember the name of the company, but there's a company that outright says on their website, we don't have any DNA from Native Americans. Okay. So if you are Native American, it, they'll even if you're 100% Native American, when you take your DNA test, it'll say 0% Native American. Okay. So when you go into it, definitely read up on if they have any empty banks, so to speak. Like yeah. They know outright, we don't have any DNA from the, these places. Hmm. So... Okay, I'll have to look so just that. be aware of that. And yeah. some people, they, they're like, oh, well, I don't care. Yeah. But for me, I'd like want the most fleshed out one as possible. Well, and from the little that we know, my mom's family is from Georgia for the most part. And so there is, I forget what Native American uh, tribe is from that area. 
And so, because my sister, we have different dads, and her dad was, like, half Indian. Right. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we did have a little bit, just from the area, but I don't look like it at all. <laughs> like, it's probably, like, point zero. With your fair skin and blue eyes. I know, my gosh. I'm like, they're going to be like, yeah, you're German. And I'm going to be like, I knew that already. S- surprise, surprise. Ooh. Tell me something I don't know, guys. <laughs> I think that would be the worst case scenario. It comes back, and it's like, oh, yeah, you're just everything your dad is. On your mom's side, too. Right. Now you're just double yourself. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I mean, but I've seen some of those videos where someone gets their test and they're like, oh, wow, I'm 5% Ashkenazi. Yeah. I always say they're all Ashkenazi Jew. I know. And they're like, oh, I had no idea. Or someone who's like, oh, I'm 100% Korean. And it's like, surprise, you're 25% Japanese. Yeah. And they're like, whoa. Yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. I would, that would blow my mind. I grew up uh, Southern Baptist. It was a, a fun life. Um, <laughs> But it would be really interesting to find out maybe that's not what it is. Right. I think I think it'd be hilarious. And There's a book my mom had wanted me to start reading. It was called I think it's called One Drop. Mm-hmm. But it's um, a man who he goes through through his whole life thinking that he's just white. Yeah. And his I think it's his mom or his grandpa. Someone on their deathbed says to him, "We're actually half black." But since our, your grandfather was passing it yeah. was just easier for the family for us to all just say we're white right so it was like he's in his like 40s or 50s and he's finding out like oh my god i'm a quarter black like yeah. does this change my life should it change my life mm-hmm. should it change my family's life and it's just his whole book is about how he processes that yeah. information and stuff like that so that'd be interesting to see like if it would change anything for you how it would change I think it would because well actually my dad was very surprised that we had a nice chunk of our family um it didn't break down from what part but north africa and so but the thing is there's like this like little thing when my dad took it because he took it with ancestry where it's like it can also be from like when i believe the spaniards came down to north africa Mm -hmm. for for whatever reason i don't know history that well um colonization yeah yeah and so it could be spaniard more than it is like north african or any of those uh descents but i think that would though i think that would set with me i love knowing that stuff and i love embracing just who I am as a person and so for it to be just anything other than what I know I think I would I think I would take that and I would run with it a fun new adventure yeah I'm I'm totally into that I'm totally into being I'm gonna gonna put it out there in the universe now that some of the stuff from your mom is Italian let's just put it out there please please. fingers crossed (laughs) give me a reason to go there and be like I'm home (laughs) even if not adopt me yes I think I have it in my roots. Like, I love to drink and I love to eat, so, you know. Oh, my God, this is so much hair. <laughs> so much hair. He's like, oh, I was collecting. I know, and my mom, she's she's Filipino, mostly. Yeah. Like, she's mixed, too, but she's mostly Filipino, and that's mm-hmm. a big, another culture of, like, everyone eats, all of us together. Yes. Almost, like, every meal's a potluck kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, like, I, I do share your feelings of when you eat, like, it should be about community. It should be about... Absolutely. Making the meal the focus, mm-hmm. everyone you're with the focus, trying to spend the time to make it special as opposed to like, oh, like I, I actually know someone who's like, I don't care about food, it's just fuel, I could care less. And I'm like, blows my mind. I don't so you're just gonna that. drink Soylent every day for the rest of your life? And he was like, yeah, if I could, I would. No. Get out of my house. No. <laughs> I slaved over this meal for <laughs> three hours. That's always funny to me. Like, it, it can take all day to cook something mm-hmm. and then, like, 20 minutes to eat it, but it was totally worth it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm all about that. Like, 
some people were like, oh, did you get an Instapot? And I was like, no, because I enjoy taking two hours to roast something or like, call me crazy, but... Explosions (laughs) aside, I don't trust the Instapot simply because like there's no control. Once you Mm -hmm. lock the machine, you literally, there's no intervention from you whatsoever. Like if I smell something burning in an oven, I can turn it, I can adjust the temperature, I can add things, Mm -hmm. I can take things away. God bless you. God bless you. It's like a time machine. Like I don't know where it's going. No, it's like the TARDIS just setting off into places <laughs> unknown with my roast. Now we need a TARDIS Instapot. <laughs> right. So what else is on your bucket list? Um, the Carousel Bar in New Orleans. <gasps> a little bit more practical. I can probably do that any weekend if I really wanted to. I really want to try that. I do too. Uh, my God. And there's apparently a is it a circus bar in New York? Yes. Where they have the carousel, but they also have like other theme stuff. Yep. But I was like, I mm-hmm. want the one in New, in New Orleans because yeah, that one it moves at a speed that even after yeah all of the drinks I want. I can You're still not navigate. completely spinning. Right, I'm not like, oh my god, someone help me. <laughs> oh, we're not still on it? Okay. <laughs> no, we're in we're in the Uber, Teresa. Are you sure? I think it's not moving. So definitely that. Um, kind of going into other bars, too, which you mentioned in New York. Death & Co. is a huge bar in New York uh, in the craft cocktail scene. I would love to do that. Love to do that. What else? So you've been to New Orleans before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what are some of your favorite restaurants? Oh, see, when I went to New Orleans, I was in college, so it was more about like visiting. I had two friends who went, or I had a, I have a step cousin, and I have a friend Macy, who went to Tulane, and so it was more of like, what's the cheapest thing we can get, and then have money left over to go drink on bourbon, right? So actually, I really want to plan a trip to New Orleans where I do explore the restaurant scene and I can actually like remember what we did well I can definitely throw (laughs) one name in consideration there's a a restaurant called Ignatius Mm -hmm. like the saint um and it's right off magazine street okay I believe it's a door or two down from the lush okay on that street that place Eric and I ate there before we went to get married Mm -hmm. because we eloped in, in New Orleans so it was like a weekend thing but Ignatius has oh, some of the best boudin Ooh. and it's fresh mm-hmm. and then Eric got a gumbo that to this day he dreams about oh, and yes. oh, god I had a, a Pim's cocktail and then something else that had like honey and like a floral liqueur it was just yeah probably like amazing. honey and elderflower yes that's what mm-hmm. it was and something else but oh my god it was the tits so ignatius <laughs> is definitely a place that okay every time someone's like i'm going to new orleans i'm like go to ignatius adding it to the list go and it's off magazine street so it's it's um a couple blocks up from st charles okay so yeah. you can just take the the tram yeah and then just hike up cool yeah i think for my 30th birthday i'm debating if that's what i want to do is because it's in february and now i found out like Fleet Loop Max is going to be playing on my birthday. And I was like, I totally, it's in New to Orleans, be. it's meant to be. I'm like, all right, I think that's where we're going to go. I think that's where you need to go. <laughs> I know, right? Need, need, need. Like the universe has pretty much said, Michelle, I can't I can't put your credit card information in. But I've done everything else. You'll need to be here. <laughs> Stevie Nicks is beckoning you. Come to me. It is the magical town of New Orleans. And then there's magical Stevie Nicks there on your birthday. Like, what are you, why are you what, here? What else? Yeah. What else do you I need? Mean, and I would probably go in full Stevie Nicks get up. As well you should. Because, oh, like, what's the point? If we're not going to, what's the point? Oh, I know. Right? <laughs> um, as for anything else, I think uh, right now I'm learning how to, because back to my Italian, you know, because I'm Italian. I'm, 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 I'm Italian. I'm hoping. 
I'm learning to speak Italian, so that was kind of another bucket list, is just learn a new hobby and make it a language. And so right now I'm learning Italian. Don't ask me anything. I literally just started two weeks ago. <laughs> That's fine. Because Eric always makes fun of me because I'm the kind of person who, like, when I decide I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. I tend to charge in without planning. Yeah. Because that's my personality typing. I'm mm -hmm. an ENFP, ESFP, so I'm like, we can waste three months planning it, or I can just do it and figure it out as I go along. Right. I mean, this podcast is evident. But, um, so at one point, I was trying to learn three languages at once. Oh, my. And he, he had to sit me down and go, Teresa, I'm uninstalling these apps, because you are <laughs> insane. I was trying to learn Romanian, yeah. Welsh, and French. Okay. All at the same time, because Duolingo is a great right. app. Mm -hmm. You know, a couple minutes a day, they track how fluent you're getting, they send little reminders. I, I loved it. Yeah. I was making flashcards. I was doing this. And he was like, Therese, you literally have not cleaned our bathroom in two months. Because all my free time, I was on my phone. And yep. at first he was like, Are, is this a game? Is it a social media? I was like, no, I'm mm -hmm. just trying to learn this language. And he goes, then learn one. I'm like, oh. Yeah, but like anyone can learn one. But if I can learn three at the same time in the time it would take me to learn one, isn't that more efficient? And he's like, no. No. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I had to like stop that so that I could start with just one and Eric was like why don't we learn Filipino like Tagalog mm -hmm. especially since we're gonna, like we're moving with my parents right, okay so my mom and my aunt they're fluent obviously mm -hmm. so they could help us it could okay. be like immersion which is the best way to do the it. best way especially since like if you can't practice it mm -hmm. then you're gonna forget it oh, you know absolutely. like I took four years of Spanish the only Spanish I remember to this day is what I learned dating Mexicans in high school there you go because immersion yeah <laughs> I I know how to say hi and I took six years of it so <laughs> don't know what happened there there were other things I needed to keep in my brain <laughs> right. there's only so much space and yeah. I decided get out I know it's like a floppy disk I was like okay floppy disk what am I I'm oh in the 80s God. I found some floppy disks while I was packing though oh did you really I did and I was like Eric should we find out what are on this he goes no throw them away and I was like but what if it's magic like what if one of my had something amazing saved on here. So you'd been like, okay, let's put it on eBay. Someone wants it as a collector's item. Oh my god, there's like there's boxes now where people like sell mystery boxes. I know. You pay twenty bucks and a stranger just loads a bunch of shit in a box and mails it to I you. I know. I'd been like, okay, eighties box, floppy disk. And then there's like, I saw a YouTube video the other day where it was like, the, the caption was, "I bought a stranger's diary off eBay." Yes. First of all, never. No. Therese, vintage Therese had some some drama. <laughs> Vintage Streets was going through it, and yeah. I don't want anyone, I don't even want to be witness, no. but we've talked about this. 4 a.m., yeah. Therese, she just, she just tortures herself with the I past, know. and I don't need now to think a complete stranger in Kansas is reading about those embarrassing times right now. Oh They're judging me. Yeah, no, absolutely Never. not. Let's just add that to the reason why I'm up. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I know, like, to this day, it happened when I was, what, seven, <laughs> six? Uh, I was in PE class and I had pants on that were too big for me. Like I knew it. They were like just barely too big. And I was like, it'll be fine. And our coach who was very lovely, very nice man. At the end of the day would always pick up one kid, throw him over his shoulder, run around the gym. And it was a different kid every day. And I was like, he's never done it to me. He's never going to do it to me on the big pants day. Of course he picks me up. And when he goes to put me down, the pants fall off <laughs> and I'm just little Michelle and her panties to the entire class and I still dream about that to this day like I'll wake up at 4 a.m. in sweats <laughs> and I'm like come on girl this oh is like this, you were sex it's okay no one remembers, no one remembers but you I you remember. remember it haunts me oh <laughs> I remember there was a time where I, just, I can't even I guess it was like junior high 
And like I had finally gotten the courage up to tell someone that I had a crush on them. Oh, no. But like they didn't hear me. So like they turned and they were like, sorry, what'd you say? I didn't hear you. So it was like I could have taken this moment to just be like nothing and walk off. But Vintage Therese was like, hey, in for a pinch, in for a pound. Let's do this. And I repeated myself, and I got the, oh. And he's like, ah. Uh, like that, oh, echoes in my mind. And I just crumble, like, why? I, yes. Oh, goodness. I just, I mean, things just pop up. Like, I probably couldn't even name half of them right now. Until they come up. Until and they come you up. you remember them in vivid detail. Yeah. I remember how the hair on the back of my neck felt. That, yes. Like prickles of stress sweat happening. Yes. Oh my gosh. Shamble City. I kind of do the like uh, Voldemort Harry Potter thing where like I twitch my neck a little bit. Like, oh, like, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Or just the go. cringing. Like the. Oh, just, yeah. Oh. oh yeah. Like when you. Oh, when you reach into the sink and you touch something wet. Mm-hmm. Like that oh, yes. feeling of just like, yeah. oh, Gross. that that happens. It just takes over. It's it's involuntary. Oh no. And at. And at the worst times. Always. Always. Oh, God. I can't tell you how many times I've been driving, and then I remember, like, an embarrassing thing I said in high school. Yes. And it's like I just, I teleported. I astral projected back to that very moment in time. And I'm like, why? And I'm living that moment again, and I'm literally yelling in the car, stop! Focus on driving! (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I feel like it's gotten ten times worse, because I work from home. And, yeah. That is, I mean, don't be at home with your thoughts. <laughs> That's dangerous. There have been times where, like, I will stop what I'm doing, and it's like I have to lecture myself, like, no, no, you're not going to do this. You're going to focus. Yes. We got to re- rewire the brain. Or I'm, like, trying to fall asleep, and I'm like, don't do it. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. And your brain's like, you mean this? And just yes. slides a memory across the table. I've written a figure down. Here yes. you go. <laughs> Please respond back. <laughs> Okay, so we're getting back on track. It's okay. It's totally okay. Um, so when you ran your first half marathon, how did that feel? Besides Awful. exhausting. Awful. Okay, so I did this, I don't know what was in my head thing, where I set up my first uh, half marathon was going to be January this year. It's going to be the Houston half marathon. Well, then I kind of panicked, and I was like, I don't want that to be my first half marathon because – I just, I didn't want to go into it blind. Right. So I set up one in Galveston in December. So I'm only putting like barely a month between my first half marathon and my second. That's just kind of crazy for a normal runner who does half marathons all the time. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, the Galveston one comes in December and I think I've trained, I think I've gotten my nutrition down for the run Mm -hmm. and I do it and I just did not get anything right. I was borderline, I'm not a crier, and I was holding back tears because I was in so much pain. Oh my god. I had tied my shoe too tight, and so like the top of my foot was just like throbbing, my toes were throbbing, I wore the wrong type of socks and they were getting like jammed because I was slipping in my shoes. Oh my god. I came out with tons of blisters, um, a purple toenail, (laughs) and I was like bawling almost. And And it's like you got in a fight. It's like I got into a fight, and I just did not do the right thing, setting myself up for it. So kind of my first one, not the best experience. But at the same time, it was such a learning curve, and it was so good to be like, okay, you know what you need to do at this point, and you know what you did wrong. Right. So I'm kind of grateful that I did set it up that way, because had that been my 
you know, Houston half marathon experience, I probably would never do it again. Right. <laughs> but I already signed up for it. I already paid for it. I was going to have to do the half uh, in, in January. So I did a lot of research. I fixed my nutrition for the run. I did a couple extra runs to make sure, you know, I was just ready in general. I changed my socks. I loosened my laces. Like I did everything that I did wrong the first time. And so then really my second one's really the one I can kind of consider my first half right. marathon. It was the best time. Oh, good. I mean, total 180. You could not talk about different races at all. I was, you know, again, 25,000 spectators come out. I was talking with people, high-fiving them. I was, because I'm a dog person, I'm waving at the dogs. <laughs> like, look like probably a crazy person. But because right, you're, like, more enthusiastic. Hey, puppy. Hi, dog. How you doing? Yeah. Hey. Hey. Oh, my God. You're so cute. Yeah. I just imagine, like, a dog in a stroller, and you're just losing your mind. I lost my mind. Okay, it was, like, probably right after the halfway point. I came around a curve, and there was this English setter. And setters are just... You don't see setters. That's not a breed you see very often. And it was the first one I've ever seen in person. And I was like, that's an English setter. It's so pretty. I have an Irish. Like screaming at this lady. And she's just looking at me. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> like, yeah, that's my personality. But yeah, no, I mean, just, I was having a great time. I was laughing. I was running with people. Like I made so many friends. Mm -hmm. um, and just like, I really enjoyed it. It was such... Running is such a personal journey, and but at the same time, it can be like you make all these friends and you run with people and you support them, they support you. But at the end of the day, it's like <laughs> at the end of the day, it's about what you put into it mentally, physically, and how far you're pushing yourself. I mean, you know, I really didn't get to enjoy that first run and kind of get that like you did it. I was like, I'm not dead. <laughs> like, that sounds like a victory I can claim. <laughs> I was like, put me in the I car. <laughs> like I was like. Oh, gosh, because the race was at Booty Gardens the first time uh -huh. that I was like, I can't make it to the car. <laughs> no. Where Houston was completely different. I was like, where's my shirt? Where's my medal? Where can we get a drink? I'm so excited. I did it. So, like, runner's high is a thing. Oh, definitely. And I, uh, I would say I probably got it the most. So you go up Allen Parkway and you come down. Right, right, right. And it's the city skyline. And you're like less than two miles out at that point maybe even a mile and I don't think I've experienced something so euphoric when I came up across that hill and came down and there's the city skyline and you're just like I, I can do this at this point like I can make that I can I'm, I'm gonna do it like I'm right. gonna finish and it's like so I can't explain the emotion behind it I'm not a super emotional person and so for me I'm just like what are these feelings I was like, something's happening. This is crazy. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I I, don't know. I think, you know, running for me that first, the real first time, the one I considered the first time, the Houston half, was just, it, it got me in. Like, I'm, I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to... You got the bug. I got it. I had it before, but, like, not like that. Not that just you, you did it yourself. Like, it's so self-gratifying. And I think I kind of put it on par with when I graduated, um, you know, it's kind of the last thing I did that was just for me. And I think that's another reason I got into it is because I needed something to do for myself. Right. And, but with like a quicker turnaround. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of things in your life seem to be like... They, they take forever. Yeah, it's, it's a slow, point. steady process. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. We're just moving an inch along, we yes. hit the milestones, and then it's like, when's the next milestone? Yeah. So having something that, like you said, it's a quicker turn, quicker, I mean, 13 miles. So. I ran my half marathon in 3.45, which is not fast. Uh, as a matter of fact, to get on comparison, my husband, who's run his entire life. Ugh, I hate I know. those people. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. I love him, but I hate him at the same time. Um, he can do the full marathon in that time. I'm like, you can run double the distance I can. <laughs> sit down. No. Brad, sit down. I know. No, literally. I know. Sit. Like, go in your corner. <laughs> uh, go, go wait for me in the car. Yeah. Like, you, no, sir. <laughs> I, and I love him to death because he's like, it doesn't matter, honey. Like, you did it. It doesn't matter how long it takes. So super grateful that he's like, you know, that way about Whatever, it. Whatever. Right. Yeah, he's like, he could easily be the, you should do better. Like, he no. could be too competitive. Right. Or he could be like, oh, well, you didn't do good enough. So for him to be supportive, that's a nice little... Well, I also kind of shoved down his throat, too. I'm like, you're naturally good at this. So... Right, and he's, like you said, it's almost like he's been training for years. Well, he uh, started running middle school and doing cross country. He's just, he has the body for it. He's naturally built for it. When he was in high school, he was one of the top runners in Texas. Oh my God. Yeah, like super crazy. And then he got into cycling, which is how he got into triathlon. But yeah, no, he, he's trying to qualify for Boston. That's not going to happen until after master school. But on a, like any given day, he could probably pick up and run a marathon without training just because he's, I don't know what he is. I don't know. He's an alien. Yeah. He's like the Flash. I don't know. <laughs> he's a superhero just trying to lay low. Yeah. He's like, um, honey, don't watch. <laughs> I got to put on my super suit. <laughs> Oh my god, that reminds me of like the Incredibles 2 trailer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you going? You better be back. <laughs> I love, I can't wait to see it. Me too. I'm like, finally. Like the one, the sequel I've wanted. Right? And it's like, it took us how long to get it? Not okay. How many finding, or no, not how many finding most. How many, why did they do a lot of, my mind just went blank. I know, like when, when you started the sentence, I was like, oh yeah, and then at the same time we just both went. No, I was like, Finding Nemo, there was only one. There was, yeah, Finding Nemo, then we waited a bunch of years for Finding Dory. Yeah, I know. Which I loved. I did too. But. Uh, I'll remember on we'll, my car ride home. Right, you'll, you'll text me and I'll just put it in the show notes. By the way, this is what we <laughs> meant. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah. since you're newer, mm -hmm. what is something that you would tell someone who's just starting from scratch, getting into marathons and half marathons? So, uh, start small. Like, run a 5K. Like, see how you feel in it. Uh, personally, at this point, I feel like a 5K is harder. Um, just because it, you learn to pace yourself in mm -hmm. larger races. And so, but... You kind of need to build up. I, unless you're gonna give yourself like half a year to a year, if you're talking going from couch to half marathon. Yes. I would definitely like put some races in there, but give yourself something or give yourself something to look forward to, something to train to, and kind of get associated with how you feel on race day. Um, something else is join groups. There's running groups all over, and some of them you pay fees, some of them you don't. But meet people. Even if you are like me, who runs, I run intervals because I have sports asthma. It takes me, I do like a 1220. And so uh, I'm slow. <laughs> but there's people out there who that's what they run and they're good with it. And you can meet up with those people and run and they're going to have advice for you and they're going to help you and you can turn around and help them. And you make these connections. Again, even though it's a personal journey running is, there's so many people who you can get involved with, who actually make it a really good time and a good experience. And they get it because they're out there running too. And I think that's a big thing because a lot of people are like, I just couldn't run. And you get that because you were one of those people. 
but when you have people who are like no I get it like yeah like oh my gosh yeah I have uh six different types of nutrition I'm trying to you know figure out which one works for me like I have goos and they don't settle with my stomach and you're like I know right where someone else is like oh what's a goo <laughs> yeah like me <laughs> yeah and so and, and, and it's good to have people who understand and um you know I've learned a lot just kind of especially with sports asthma especially with being slow um from people who've done it I'm surrounded my husband like we just talked about is super fast uh his best friend who they're good friends of ours he is super fast too they ran together in high school his wife a lot faster than I am and so like I have all these people who are just going beyond me and so I needed a group of people who were in my level right and finding those people because you could hurt yourself trying to keep up with absolutely with these superhumans that you're absolutely. cavorting with which I will get into that next um so find people who you know you can run with and it's going to help you keep motivated too to hit your goals absolutely another thing which kind of plays into both find a running store not a dicks not an academy none of those find a local running store just for run just for running um it might even be a triathlon store that would work too get yourself fitted for shoes the right type of shoes are going to help keep you from getting and injured be one of my follow-up questions yep yep and a running store they can also help you talk find. about the different ways to tie your shoes right different ways to tie your shoes um how loose and how tight to tie them they'll help you get the right type of socks there's so much that goes into this you don't realize you're like you wait you don't just like go out the door you, and run. Yeah, you don't just go and you're like well for like maybe like a 5k 10k you can definitely get away with that but if you're wanting to do long distance and you want to make sure you don't get hurt you want to set yourself up like long term without having to get joint pain you right. definitely want to do it kind of shin splints yes that's real it's knee, real real kneecaps just kind of given out like <laughs> That's happened to me once. I literally was attempting. I was attempting a jog. I was like, I can do this, and like my ankle went nope, and just gave up on me. And I like rolled into the neighbor's yard, and I just was like, this is where I die. No, when I first started out, I had weak ankles. Like I really, I know that. So I forget what movie it is. There were like, you're in high heels, you have weak ankles, and she falls over. That's my life, or was. And starting running and kind of exercising that, I don't fall over as much. <laughs> and see, I I have fallen arches. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm when I stand, I'm flat-footed. But, yes. like, sitting, I have an arch. Mm -hmm. um, I've got bad ankles from years and years of dance. So yes. that also makes both those two together make my knees kind of weird. Yes. Which, in turn, makes my lower back kind of weird. So it's like, I'm all, I'm I'd, all have, to, that. I'd mm -hmm. have to, like, get a new shoe, which is yes. a good foundation to shift everything where it's supposed to be mm -hmm. and then I'd still have to practice because you can't yeah. just throw on new shoes and go right no. what's mm -hmm. the like breaking in process um for new shoes it can take anywhere to like two weeks to I don't know a couple months depending on how much you run true um, and that's and, the other thing like, and you how just many miles gotta run as often as you can right. normally a pair of running shoes about 400 miles before you need to get a new pair but you can also look at the bottoms of them mm -hmm. and you'll see wear patterns so that's another suggestion if you go to a running shoe, or running shoe store and get fitted, take in your old shoes that you run in because they're gonna look at the wear patterns and be like, okay, you pull more this way, you pull more that way. And they're gonna see like, I pull, I don't know, I put a lot more weight on my left foot. And so like the half side, like the half curve on the side is really worn down. Where on my right foot, it's like just kind of worn down. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> right? Like, can I buy just the one shoe? Yeah, can I, like, can we just fix that? Like, tell me what to do. <laughs> but, yeah, take your old shoes in, let them see the wear patterns, get fitted. 
Um, and then also get fitted for the distance. Not every shoe is meant for long distance. Not every shoe is meant for mid distance. And then there, there's trail running and then there's pavement running. And so having the right shoe is going to help you keep from getting injured and it's going to make it more comfortable. You know, if you have, like you're talking fall and arches, there's shoes for that and there's insoles, like inlines you can put in and it's going to make it way more comfortable, especially when you start getting past that three mile marker, that six mile marker. And you know, you've been in your shoes already for two hours per right. se. So definitely do that. And I know there's I'm so, so much. I'm so glad I asked that because like I, <laughs> I was one of the people who thought, oh yeah, you just buy a pair of running shoes from like Nike and just go. And some people do and they can get away with it. But I've just personal experience with everyone I know and myself. It's made the biggest difference in my running. And I used to have knee pain when I ran. I was running and just a pair of shoes I got from, I think it was Academy. And so they fitted me for shoes. I don't have that knee pain anymore. It, nice. it went away. Because Eric the other day, he ran, I think, God, a handful of miles on a <laughs> treadmill. And his hips hurt him for like two weeks. I can't do treadmill. I cannot. And that's one thing I told him. I was like, maybe you shouldn't run on the treadmill. I was like, yeah. well, then where am I supposed to run? I was like, outside? I yeah. don't know. I don't run. I do. Look at me. I go out in the neighborhood and I just run. Because <laughs> I, I have sports-induced asthma too. Mm-hmm. But unlike you, I really lean into that excuse. <laughs> I'm like, well, I can't run. Sorry, guys. Just leave me here. I'll just catch up later. Like, that's I've really leaned into that. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because like for dance or yoga, Pilates, like I don't mind that because those ones – you're encouraged to stay and breathe. You're right. encouraged to take your time and really. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, oh, this is stuff I can do. Yeah. Versus like Eric's always like, just go for a jog. I'm like, uh, that or not. You know, and for me, it was learning how to breathe and run is where I got comfortable with running because I always started running. A, I'm a sprinter naturally. So I'm like, how fast can I go? Short bursts. And then I can do short bursts. My lungs are like, you can't breathe. <laughs> Stop, woman. So learning to tone it back uh, okay, a lot. Okay. Like, a lot. <laughs> um, so toning it back, learning to breathe, and doing intervals. So, hey, girl, you're going to – I run a minute and a half, and then I walk a minute. Okay. And that gets me across the finish line in under three hours – or under four hours for a half marathon. Um, doing those things – really kind of changed my perspective on running. I have been told my entire life by PE teachers that you don't have the body to run, you can't run. Um, I've been told straight up, you're a shitty runner, you're never gonna run. That's so mean, who is saying these things? My high school PE teacher, because I was one of the last ones, but they were trying to make us do seven minute miles. Oh yeah, I remember those stupid tests. Yeah. Do you know that now kids don't have to do that anymore? Good. But I, in a way, I'm like, awesome, that's great. But at the same time, it's like, I had to do that. Right. You should have to do that. Just because I know a lot about the development of the body from my uh, master's degree, but it's terrible at that age. Like, if you aren't trained for it, it's terrible to be pushing oh, yeah, someone. yeah, because they would literally go, it, would, it literally goes zero to 100. Yeah, it's like, horrible I've been in your body. dicking around in PE for the last six years, mm-hmm. and now I'm in seventh grade, and now you want me to run? Yeah. Good day, Linda. Yeah. No. Here's my note. <laughs> right. I tried to, I really tried. I was like, can I get a doctor's note? And my doctor was like, I could, but then the, all they'll do is extend the time. Yeah. So I still had to do it, but they would have given me an additional couple minutes. And I was like, just get this over with. And, and that's the thing. Like, I was always discouraged. I was not a runner three years ago. And it was because of that. I was so discouraged in just my ability to run. I have sports asthma. That doesn't help the scenario. But I was also never taught properly how to run. Mm-hmm. 
And it isn't one of those things you can just go out and do for most people. Some people can get away with it, like I said. There's tons of people who do, but someone like me or someone who's just starting out, it it will make your life so much easier in the long run if you just kind of take the time to look into research. Just scroll through runnersworld.com and just go through you know different types of plans, what they suggest for your form. Uh, if you have sports asthma, there's all kinds of things about sports asthma and running. Don't let you limit yourself because anyone can do it. Really, truly, just about anyone can do it. And I think a lot of people are, they're like me. They were just told they couldn't. And so they were like, all right, well, that's my reality. And they think that they have to run seven minutes a mile. You don't have to. There's plenty of people in the back. I swear, they're like some of the best people. We're all like, we're slow. High five. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We're all going to (laughs) die. If we can survive, guys, we made it. We did it. (laughs) And if anything else, I'm always the person who's like, hey, Mm -hmm. the parking lot will be half empty by the time we get there. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll get all the extra beer. Right. Everyone's loves. Perfect. Perfect. And, you know, the community is so great. Like, mm-hmm. I, my gosh, don't get me wrong. There's always going to be the snobby people in every, compu- every community. Absolutely. That's for, like human beings. Right. But for the most part, everyone wants to see you do good. And everyone's so open to, Supportive. like, come run. Like, just hang out with us. Like, biggest beer drinkers in the world are going to be runners. I swear. It's all the carbs. It's all the carbs. Every single race I've been to has beer at the end. And I'm like, all right, guys, let's go get our beer. Load it up. <laughs> Beginning of every race, I'm like, all right, you get a beer afterwards? Yeah, all right, that's what we're running for. Let's right. go. That's my motivation. Let's do this. <laughs> so you were saying that um, with yeah. your husband and his friend his and, and his yeah. life and them all being runner runners, like how does that kind of like influence you or help you? Or You know, in the beginning, I think I kind of took it a little too personal where I was like, I know that feeling. Yeah. Or it's almost like a personal, I'm failing because I'm, failing. I'm not on your level. Right. And his friends are, I can't emphasize it just like him, so sweet, so kind. They are the epitome of what the running community is. And they're just like, no, like, you're a runner. Like, do you hear that? I was like, I am a runner. <laughs> Especially with you not being very emotional. Yeah. I just read you like, I'm not going to cry. I'm just sweating from my face. Yeah. It's a lot of sweat. Like very few minimal times in my life have I been emotional, but when like my husband's best friend or his wife was like, honey, no, you are a runner. I was like, mm, I know. Thank you. Thank you. You're good. You're good stuff. I'm going to keep you. Thank you. And it, it's true though. Like, um, I, I, I really love them. I think they are the reason why I've been able to do this. And it does. Like, it, at the beginning, it was one of those things where I was like, I'm just, I can't keep up. Like, what's the point of doing it if you can't be on their level? Right. And I know they're just like, no. Like, you, they were like, just go to a race. And they're like, you're going to have people around you and you're going to realize, oh, I'm not like the last person. And it's not secular. Like, all of this is in my head because I've been told wrong my entire life. Right. And then with, like, TV, too. Like, yeah. when you see marathons on TV, it's you're either at the beginning mm-hmm. Or that's it. No. And it's like there's always in the movies that one person, they're taking apart the marathon. Like Mm -hmm. everyone's gone home. It's pitch black. And they're like hobbling to the line alone. And that's the one, like, again, I can't emphasize the running community and how amazing they can be. That person who's still out there, there's people waiting at the finish line for them. Oh, I love it. Yeah. There'll be people from the, like, race directors will still stick around most of the time. They're like, it doesn't matter. You did it. Like, even if you had to walk more majority of it, it doesn't matter. You did it. Right. And isn't that, like, 
it's not like the marathon winners, it's finishers. You yeah, finish. You finish. That's what's important. Right, exactly. I love that. It's such, and like, I had no idea that's what that was. That community, that running was that. And once I allowed myself to be open to it first, because that's that was the, the biggest big thing. <laughs> and then I put the time into it and I got to know people. And I did my first, like, I'd say when I did my first 10K is really where I was like, okay, this feels like more like what I want it to feel like. Like you're hitting your stride. Yeah, I'm hitting uh, funny. Uh. <laughs> Exactly. Where you're hitting your stride and you're just kind of being like, I'm all right. Like I'm, I'm good even though I'm in the back. <laughs> right. I'm better than I thought I was going to yeah, be. Yeah, I am. And I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't feel competitive anymore like with them. And I feel like I'm part of the group because they've like cultivated it for me to right. be like – this is the environment you're welcome to be here and don't don't reflect it it's a personal journey kind of you want to go back to blogging don't compare yourself to other people don't compare your numbers to other people right i was really the whole time i was thinking this is a lot like blogging mm -hmm. it's long slow process yes. it's a long journey build a community that's the biggest part yeah don't compare yourself mm -hmm. and no matter where you are there's others in the same kind of part of the pack as yep. you so i was like oh i see you yeah, lots of parallels. It is a lot of parallels. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, it's uh, nothing nothing against them at this point. And everything it was, it was me. It was just self-conscious me. Right. So, right. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let everyone know where they can find you, what you're working on. Okay. So you can find me at www.ltalk.com. You can also find me on social media at l underscore talk um all platforms instagram pinterest facebook twitter i'm on twitter all the time you want to talk adventures harry potter food cocktails hit me up yes love that we'll probably have her back again for our harry potter focused episode please because we did point out yes. that if we had done a harry potter centered episode we'd be here for days oh yeah so we'll just shelve that for another time and so that's something thoughts. we can look forward to in the future i will link to um all of michelle's stuff in the show notes and you guys have a great one don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week bye <laughs>